0: If you would take your Bibles and open to the Book of John, John chapter thirteen, John chapter thirteen. A few weeks ago, uh, I began us in a series for as long as the Lord allows it to happen through this section of the Gospel of John, the what is called the last discourse of Jesus after he has his last supper with his disciples, and then um, uh, before he goes to trial and execution. Uh, he has this bit of time that John records with his disciples there 's some time of teaching and there 's some time of praying and in all of this there is a there 's a theme, a thread where Jesus is describing and showing what it is to have life with God to have what life with god and this morning especially we 're going to be thinking. Hearing Jesus have a conversation with disciples and Jesus describing exactly what is the way to life with God. So to uh, begin our time together, we're going to look at John chapter 13 and I'm going to read verse 36 to chapter 14, verse 7. Page 900 of your pew Bible, if I didn't already say that page 900, if you don't have a Bible with you you may want to follow along here so you can actually read the words of God that I'm going to read out loud for us. John thirteen thirty six. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, speaking to Jesus, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I'm going to give you a word. And I'd like you to think about how you describe that word in one sentence. Here's the word life. Life. If given one sentence, how would you describe that word? It's hard, isn't it? Where do you even start? Do you start with the biological? You know, life is living and breathing. Or do you start with a thing like my family is my life or my job is my life. You start with emotions. Life is a feeling of happiness or satisfaction. Life is, is what it's like to be with people that you love. Or would you think about circumstances? Life is where I live. Life is what I do. Life is the process of being born, of growing up, of getting old, of dying. And regardless of what each of us would say, and there's probably a lot of different definitions floating in different minds this morning about how to define life. Regardless of whether or not we feel like we can define life, we do all know, I think, that life ends at death. Death is the point in time in our existence when life stops happening. Death stops life. And this is probably why we don't think about death very often. Whatever it means to live is to us innately preferable to the alternative, dying. And to think about death for any length of time is to invite the troubling thought that death will end our life and not the other way around. Our life will not put an end to our death. Of course... We know that we have a hard time with this as human beings. So we keep trying to find a way to find an end to death through our life. So we've thought up the idea of cryogenic freezing. Cure-alls we're looking for for chronic sicknesses. We are trying to slow aging by injecting liquids in our face. We hang on long after we should to hope for reversing, reversing what has been humanity's unalterable course. You live and then you die. But there is one occasion that keeps repeating itself in our lives that will stubbornly remind us that we have not and will not ever find the magic key to stopping death with our lives. And that's the death of others we love. When we love and we lose, we cannot help but somehow want to bring a person back. Have you ever thought about how at a funeral, many of the people there are probably wishing the deceased was back with them living? But how many people, if any, at many funerals are wishing that they could go to be with the deceased in death? Not many. That would require the thought, even the imagining, that there would be a reality for us that isn't this life. We naturally avoid envisioning any reality in which we are not alive. Now, while there's no grief or sadness like losing a loved one, there's a kind of grief like it that we experience when loved ones leave and we're separated from them in this life. Either for a short time or a long time, they move away or they just go away for a while before they come back. A friend moves and we wonder, will I ever see them again? They've been such a part of our life that we don't know what life will be without them. like without them. Loved ones leaving, either in death or departure, give us an opportunity to think about life. And where we find it. It's no surprise then. That that is where Jesus takes the conversation with his disciples. Right after in chapter 13 verse 33. He has told them he's leaving them. He made that announcement to them. And like us. As we just heard. Peter and Thomas. (laughs) Somehow avoid the possibility that Jesus is talking about his death. But, the, but they are sure that, that he is talking simply about some geographical separation that, that they'll be able to overcome in time. Thomas and Peter believe the obstacle to their reunion with Jesus after he leaves them is only going to be temporal or spatial. But Jesus is saying the separation is a spiritual one could last eternally Jesus is about to leave and Jesus is about to die as we'll find out in John later and in this conversation between Jesus and the disciples we learn that life is where Jesus is we learn that life has a one word definition Jesus So to make our way through this passage, I want to ask two questions. Two questions. The first question is, where is Jesus? And the second question is, how do we go where Jesus has gone? Where is Jesus? And how do we go where Jesus has gone? The passage opens with Peter asking our first question. Where is Jesus going to be? He said that he's departing. Where I am going, you cannot come. 1333. And, G- and Peter says, Lord, where is this place? And Jesus responds, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter's question is understandable. They had been at Jesus' side for the better part of three years. Jesus was kind of their lifestyle now. Where he went, they went. Where he ate, they ate. When he decided to stop, they stopped. When he kept going, they kept going. They followed Jesus everywhere. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus says, where he's going, they can't come. So Peter asks this clarifying question. Where exactly are you going? Now I think there's an assumption in, in Peter's question we're going to explore in just a bit. Jesus will eventually address some of these Assumptions that Peter makes about his own ability, if Jesus were to tell him where he was going, Peter's assumption that he could get there. It seems that Jesus might altogether dodge Peter's question initially. But then did you see in chapter 14, verse 2, Jesus does answer the question. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you That I go to prepare a place for you. This is where Jesus is going. To the father. To the father's house. Jesus is going to live with the father. Now if you're not too familiar with Christianity. I'm so glad you're here. I don't know what circumstances brought you here or who invited you to be here. And I hope that what we've done or said has helped you to better understand Jesus primarily. Or what I'm going to say helps you in that way. But we are glad you're here. We'd love to help you know Jesus better if you, would, if you would be so inclined. Would like to know. But if you're not too familiar with Christianity, we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that there is one God. He made everything. All the things you see, who you are, you are are here and we are here because God made us. And God has revealed himself to us in his word, the Bible. He tells us that he is one true God. He exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the book of John, we hear an eyewitness testimony of the Son of God. One of, three, one of the three in the Trinity of God. The Son of God is Jesus Christ. We hear about him. We come to know him. We come to hear his words. We hear the account of the Apostle John who walked with Jesus and lived with Jesus. Jesus is revealed to us in the pages of scripture and we find that he is the son of God sent to earth by God, the father. He came from the father and now he says to Peter, he's returning to the father. For the disciples, they misunderstand Jesus' announcement, thinking he's just going somewhere else. But in a few hours, they will see him crucified. It will not look like Jesus went anywhere but to death. And with that part of the story known to us, you might think the question, where is Jesus, is an odd one to ask about a man who lived 2,000 years ago and then died. A man who, by a wealth of ancient historical records, has been confirmed to be a man who was executed Why would we be asking, where is Jesus? Why would we think he's anywhere but in the grave where all humanity goes? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus is fully aware as he talks to his disciples here that 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 hinge point in the story, although seemingly unknown to them at this point, is very known to him. That there is a bridge between where they are at this point in the conversation and where he is saying he's going to be in the Father's house with the many rooms that he's going to prepare for his disciples. That there is something in between that's going to happen and it's going to be his death. He's fully aware of that. And yet he says, I'm going to live with my father. According to Jesus, regardless of the history of his crucifixion, according to Jesus, he knew that that would end in him being alive. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And he lives with his father. This is the testimony actually of the men and women who saw Jesus crucified and then went and preached him to others. Because they went to the tomb where his body was buried and he wasn't there. They went home and he stood before them. He talked to them, the risen Lord, the risen Christ. He ate with them, he loved them, he he discipled them, he stayed with them for several days. And then in front of their eyes, he went home to his father. Jesus is with the Father. And as we explored in our last conversation around John. In the last sermon. What that basically means for us is. Jesus is back experiencing life with God. He had it here. But he was clearly looking forward to reuniting with his Father. Where his Father was. Where Jesus is with the father I want you to understand is where life is you do not find life outside of God you can only find life when you are with God and that is where Jesus is Jesus is with the father Experiencing eternal life, a life of love and peace and joy between him and his father. Jesus is now where we need to be. So how do we get there? Second question. How do we go where Jesus has gone? How do we go where Jesus has gone? How do we get to the father? Do you notice that that is Essentially, the question that both Peter and Thomas ask in different ways. Peter wants to know, Jesus, give me the location. I'll show up there. And Thomas is like, Jesus, you haven't even told us the location. So how are we supposed to know what path to chart, what course to take? But they both want to know at the end of this conversation, Jesus, would you please just give us the info? We want, we want to know that we're going to end up where you are. Don't you want to know? If you believe his word, if you've come to know Jesus Christ, that he is your life, don't you want to be with him? If he's gone from here and he said he's going there and he wants us to be with him, don't you want to be with him too? Yes. We want to know where Jesus has gone. We want to come to where he is. We want the life he has with the father to be our life. Maybe if you don't know Jesus, you're still trying to figure out how to get that life without Jesus. Find some way in this life to extend your life so that death isn't necessary and that you can just go on eternally living outside of God. I I don't know if you've even considered that there might not be any other way than Jesus. If you do know him, you understand the disciples' urgency to find out. How not to be separated from Jesus. I love how drawn they are to him. At, at the first mention that Jesus makes. That he's going to be apart from them. Look how distraught they are. At the thought of being away from him. Does that Give us a glimpse of what kind of person Jesus must be. even the people we love most we still want to get some distance from from time to time but not the disciples with Jesus tell us where you are we want to be there look how ready Peter is to say he died for Jesus just to be with him doesn't that illustrate how much they must have loved him how much he must have loved them friends how do we get to where Jesus has gone I, I have two answers for you one Without Jesus, you won't know the way. Without Jesus, you won't know the way. This is basically what Jesus tells Peter in that first section. Look at that conversation again, verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. You know, by most standards, Peter's offer to die for Jesus seems like the highest form of allegiance. But he doesn't seem to understand what Jesus was telling him. The irony is thick in Peter's words because Peter will have a chance to do what he just promised, but he will come up very short of that in a little while he'll be asked three times if he knows the Jesus who who, by that time had been arrested and likely out of fear Peter not wanting to be numbered as one of Jesus disciples and so being numbered among those who'll be put to death he denies knowing Jesus at all Jesus knows this he tells Peter it's going to happen Peter's interaction with Jesus shows us that no matter how hard you try or how big a show of loyalty you might make, you will never bring yourself to Jesus, to where he is. Peter's choice to deny Jesus and choose preserving his life demonstrates what happens so often in our own hearts when faced with the option of to continue living or to die for Jesus. Don't we so often keep on choosing the life we know because out of fear, we're not sure what's going to happen when we give our life in a kind of figurative death over to the control of Jesus. You cannot give your life to get where Jesus is. And even if we could, we probably wouldn't. I wonder, how does your heart react to that? Are you insulted? You might be. You might choose to tune out everything else I am about to say. Please understand that even in the insult received in your heart, you are demonstrating that you're trusting in your own ability to get life for yourself. That there must be another way Than the way that the living God who made you has provided. I hope you can hear that there is a way of life for you this morning. Even if you've lived your life rejecting the offer of life in Jesus Christ. Maybe you hear that not even the greatest show of sacrifice will get you you to the Father. And you're scared what that means for you. Perhaps you've assumed that that's what life as a, as a Christian or a religious person or a spiritual person, perhaps you've assumed that's what your life is supposed to be. One display after another of sincere discipleship. Thinking that if you give more and give more to others, that's what God wants. You've been banking on that this is how you get to God. Like Peter, you've been thinking, if, if I need to, I'll give him everything. I'll, I'll die for him. So you've gone to a lot of church, you've given to a lot of charity, you've given up things for God. And now you're hearing that when death comes, none of those things will be able to buy you passage to the other side where Jesus lives with the Father. Is your heart troubled to hear that you can't get yourself to where Jesus is and you don't know what to do now? You're ready now to hear the rest of the answer to the question, How do we get to where Jesus is? Here it is. While we can't get ourselves to where Jesus is, Jesus is the way to life with the Father. Jesus is the way to life with the Father. And he demonstrates that in this passage in two ways. First, in the very obvious way by saying and telling us he is the life. Did you see that? In his conversation with Thomas. Thomas concerned. How will we know how to get to you? And, and Jesus says, you know the way, you know me. Jesus said to him, I am the way. And the truth. And the life. How do you get to the father? You get to the father through Jesus. How do you get life? You get Jesus. How do you come out of death? You go through death with Jesus. Imagine being Peter and Jesus has told you, not only can you not go where I am going, but given a choice to die for Jesus, you'll deny him. Hard to hear for your own pride. Also hard to hear because you're left without a way to Jesus. So it's amazing to hear Jesus turn the corner from that prophecy about Peter's total dismissal and denial of Jesus. What does he say next? Peter, disciples, don't be troubled in your hearts. Believe in God. Believe in me. In other words, Jesus was never counting on your obedience and allegiance to bring you to the Father. So when you when you see in your in your in your uh, despair or in your guilt or in your conviction that There are so many inabilities that you have to get to Jesus. You don't need to let that be troubling to you. Jesus was never counting on your ability to love him, to get your way to him. He was never counting on your obedience to him to be the way that you get life with him. None of that jeopardizes your chance at life with Jesus. Because what we need for life with the Father is what? Jesus. That's what we need. You don't need to trust in your own efforts. You need to believe in Jesus who lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death in your place. To cover the sin that you've committed, all the inabilities, all the weaknesses, all the rebellion, all the willing dismissal of God's good providence and grace and instruction in your life. Jesus lived and died to take all those sins on himself and give you forgiveness and life in his name. You don't need to make your way to Jesus. You need Jesus to come back for you, which he said he will do. You don't need to have a map that shows you all the steps to take to get you to heaven. You need to know Jesus, who is the way to heaven. Who is the truth that shows us that there is a heaven. And he is the life that we will experience with him in heaven eternally. That's what you need. That's what I need. And though Jesus is not here in the pews for me to visibly point him out to you. He is here in these pages for us to know. He is very much alive. Jesus is the life. He tells us he demonstrated to Peter and Thomas that he was the life turn over to John at the end of the book of John. I love that John decided to structure his account this way because this won't be the last interaction we find between Jesus and Thomas or Jesus and Peter. So here's the one with Peter. It's at the very end in chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 20. Uh, so, so what's happened in the story is Jesus has died and he's risen. And uh, the tomb has been empty. And uh, Jesus is, is going among different people, revealing himself. And, and so he comes at this point to Peter. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. That's John, that's the author, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's gonna betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, I'm sorry, I sorry the wrong place. Go back to verse fifteen. They're having breakfast. And when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Now notice Jesus will ask the question three times. Three denials. Three questions. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. And why wouldn't he be grieved? Surely he remembers the denials. Because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you. When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. Doesn't that kind of sound like Peter? Lord, tell me where you're going. I'll go there. But when you're old, now that you've seen me, now that you've seen that my way is into the death that you feared to take... My way was to go through the chasm that you couldn't walk through. To come out on the other side as the resurrected Jesus. And then to come and face you. To show you that the way that you feared is the way I've opened. That you don't need to be afraid anymore to walk into the darkness of death. Because I on the other side shine victorious over death. I am the light of life. And you can find your way through the darkest night of death. Because I will carry you there. You used to think you would get there by your own strength. But now that you have seen me, you will live many years until you're old thinking on these interactions. And when death comes, it will not be because you've planned it. It will not be because you've walked through it, but because you will go the way that I am taking you. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands Another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this saying, he said to him, follow me. Jesus is the answer to Peter's question. And there's no other way. Jesus is the answer to Thomas's doubts. Look back at John chapter 14. Thomas doubts how will we know where we're supposed to go if you don't tell us the way. Now look back again. Sorry to keep flipping. But look back at John chapter 20. Verse 24. Again, Jesus has been resurrected. Disciples are hanging out. And Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Jesus appears to some of the disciples, but Thomas apparently wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to him, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and then place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not believe, disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, Jesus, the risen Christ, is the answer to Thomas's doubts. Right in front of his eyes. How will we know the way? Do you understand now, Thomas? Through death into resurrection, life is the way. I will take you. Friends, Jesus is the life. Do you want to know life of any kind? Do you want to know life eternally? Do you want to get past the nagging question today of what is this life about? To the satisfying answer of, there is a life that will never end, that is full. That is enjoyable, that is joyous, that is abundant, that is never ending. Then Jesus is your answer. He is the life. And I want you to see also, not only is he the life, but he promises to bring us to the Father. Look at chapter 14, verse 3. Starting in verse 2 In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We sang earlier, I will stand on every promise of your word. Here's a promise of his word. Here's a promise. If Jesus is your life, he's coming back for you to make your home with him. I wonder if you despair and are discouraged about the direction your life is headed. I hope that in Christ Jesus, Christian, believer, church, that we can see this and take great comfort in knowing that our home is being prepared by Jesus for us. What's Jesus doing right now? He's preparing a home for you. That's what he's doing. In his father's house, Christian, there's room for you. You're going to live there. I assume you're going to eat with Jesus. You're going to eat with all his beloved people. You're going to eat with people in this room. What's Jesus doing? He's making a feast for you. He's laying out life for you. He's got a tree planted where we're going to enjoy life forevermore. He's got a wonderful river flowing through where he lives. There's going to be life for us eternally. That's where he is. That's where he's gone. And he's coming for you. He's coming back for you. If you know Jesus, you know the way to life. And you don't have to be worried that you're not going to make it. Because Jesus says, I will bring you there. You don't need to know the secret steps. You don't have to kind of lay out. These are my spiritual disciplines. I've got to follow them every day until I die. If I don't follow them every day. I'm not going to make the to life. No. You don't. No. Those things help us to see Jesus. They help us to enjoy Jesus. And live life with Jesus. Yes. Very valuable. Very good. But it is Jesus who's going to pick you up. Take you through death. And bring you into life. And there's no other way. Aren't you so thankful that he's going to do it? Because what would you have done? You die and you face the black of night and death. What are you going to do? But Jesus has faced that black. He's gone to that death. He's been in that grave where you would lie forever. And he walked out. He walked out with mighty hands that can carry anyone who says, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in your death. I believe in your resurrection. I believe in your power to walk me into life. Oh, well, friends, I hope that's where all of our faith is right now. But if it's not, I invite you to put your life in his hands. He will carry you. If you know Jesus, you know the way to life. And I want to tell you this that your life as a follower of Jesus is defined this way now. If you've died with him in his his death and you've been raised with his resurrection, I want to tell you that your life now is defined by this statement. Your life is the way Jesus is bringing you to him. That's your life, that's how your life is explained. I think that's incredibly helpful for those of us who look ahead at our lives and wonder, wonder what's the plan? What's going to be the circumstance? How long is it going to last? When's it going to end? Can I prolong it? When we get trapped in fear and anxiety of the unknown, isn't it so helpful to know, no, my life is going to go the way Jesus has decided to bring me home to him. It's not going to waver. It's not going to alter it's not going to fall into the ditch. He's going to bring you through his death and bring you path, through the path of self-denial to get you to him. It's the way he went. And if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. If anyone would save his life, he'll lose it. If anyone would lose his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. He's going to bring you into his life through his resurrection life working in you. As the old man gets put away and the new man comes and you you begin to see that in the power of Jesus' risen life, you can actually say no to sin and you can say yes to following God, even if it means giving away your whole life. He lives. You can live in him. And he is going to bring you to where he is. He's coming back. Wait for him. Wait for him. Jesus comforts Peter not with the knowledge that he will know where Jesus is going and the certainty that Peter will be able to follow him now, that there will be no time of separation. Jesus comforts him with the reality of Jesus as divine as God. He comforts him with the express plan of the Son of God to return to the Father in order to make a place for his disciples and for all his people. And his promise to return to bring them there. There is a termination of the waiting physical separation period that is coming, which Jesus has in hand. Do not trust today in knowing where you're going. Trust in Jesus, knowing where he's going, and that he will bring you there. You don't need to have everything figured out. The circumstances of your life may change daily. Your life is not found in the stability of your circumstances. It's in Jesus. Are you walking with him? Have you found him? Do you believe in him? Is his life, is your life in his hands? Then you can know where you're going. You're going to be with him. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you for the all encompassing statement you said about yourself that you're the way and the truth and the life. There's nothing outside that that matters. <laughs> nothing there's nothing outside that that matters so father we pray that we pray that the fruit of hearing your words this morning would be that we are convinced that we need to be where you are And that in order to be there, we would come to you and believe in you. We thank you that you gave your life in death. So that through death, you might give us life with you. Grant to anyone who has yet to believe, to believe this morning. Grant to any who is doubting to be renewed in their faith. Grant to any who is dying to be hopeful in death. Because Jesus is the life. Pray in his name. Amen.